Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Are you in, guys? All right, let's grow. God bless you. You can have a seat. Man, I tell you what, I'm so excited to share God's word with you today. Thank you, Devin. And, uh, and, and hey, one of the one things I'm, I want you to do while you're, while you're getting your, yourselves ready is uh, get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 2. Okay, now how many of you guys have like a paper Bible or an electronic Bible with you, all right? You got one? Okay, got, got, hold up your paper or electronic Bible, one of the two, all right? Bring your Bible. That's good. That's good because that's good stuff. Either the paper or electronic, I don't care what version or what kind, you know, just bring it, bring it, bring it. Um, but, uh, but it's Christmas season again, and I'm excited about that. It's going to go on for the next few weeks. Weeks. This is the time of year where we set aside time on our calendars to uh, celebrate the first coming of Jesus into this world. I, I know we don't know the actual date of his first arrival. We like to say it was December 25th, but, but one thing that, that's for sure is that when he arrived, everything changed. So today I'm launching this new series of messages called Relationship Equals Response. It really is about how the wise men responded to Jesus. Now, but in honor of Christmas season this year, just want to mention a few things to you. Uh, you heard about the sisterhood event coming up here next week. All right, now, now listen carefully here. This is important because ladies, you have to know this. Uh, Rebecca told me I had to tell you this. I'm going to tell you things that I don't understand. First of all, they were talking, okay, she was up here talking about they were going to have all this, they're going to have great food. And I'm like, you know, every girls event I've ever been to, you know, like you have little puffy things or foo-foo things. Great food is steaks. I'm sorry, ladies, but, but, uh, but I don't know what you consider great foods. But, but here, here's, here's another thing that Rebecca said this is that if you would like to participate and make a boxwood wreath, Believe me, I do not know what a boxwood wreath is, but but I'm sure it's one of those really neat things. Bring a, I'm, I'm, that's like shrubs, boxwood. I don't know, I don't know, I'm not going there. All right, if she cuts down the shrubs at the house, that's, we'll talk about that later. Okay, bring a medium to small picture frame and your own ribbon. Y'all are going to put shrubs in a picture frame. I don't even understand, but you know what? Y'all are awesome. Okay. Uh, and she says, everything else will be provided. Also, just for fun, she says, bring old or new Christmas decor to share and trade and give. And you're supposed to bring sweet or savory finger foods to share. That would not be steaks. So just, just, uh, just FYI. Hey, also, Sunday, December 20th, two Sundays from today, we're going to have a special time of Christmas communion. It'll be a really special Christmas service for us. Also, we're doing something on Sunday the 27th, a little different, in honor of the many volunteers that, that come together to, and really they spend tireless hours putting together our Sunday services. We're going to do something really special this coming, uh, uh, actually on Sunday, the 27th Christmas weekend. We're going to be preparing, or actually we have an online service that, that we're working on, and we're going to have some Christmas worship, which will be a part of it, and, and my final message of the Christmas series will be offered at that time. And so we're going to have details regarding that next Sunday. It'll be out on social media as well as how you can link up either at 10 o'clock or 1130 to pick up on the Christmas message that's going to be shared here. And uh, hey, truth is, I just love Christmas. I love it, love it. 
love it, love it. So thank you guys. God bless you. And you know, it's really interesting that, uh, that God decided that, that he would announce Jesus' arrival to the lowest of the low in society, which were the shepherds, as well as the highest of the high, the kings and the wise men, you know, the magi from the east and King Herod himself. And I, but I especially have always loved the stories of the wise men. I, I've, I've really liked that. These were wealthy, state-appointed magi, and they studied these ancient prophetic uh, texts, and what they did is they looked for signs, and, 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 and they looked for them in the skies and on earth that, that would match up with ancient prophetic texts. And, and so they came to this conclusion that this brilliant, new, amazing star which had appeared in the sky was the announcement of the Messiah, which was the king of the Jews, the son of God. So obviously they had access to the prophecies of Isaiah. And, and, but in their wisdom, they were way out from the east somewhere. They set out on this very long and ambitious journey, which, which we do know that it, it, it really concluded probably about two years after they first saw the star. And, and they, but they, they came to do this, to meet and to worship this new God King. That was written about in the ancient prophecies of Isaiah. I want you to take a look at it, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, so they asked the king, they had access to him, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We, now, here's what's interesting is because the, the king at that time, King Herod, was known as king of the Jews. That's kind of interesting. It was a little, little interesting thing that God put into their heart, which happened. So you can imagine him kind of getting upset. Like, well, wow, I'm king of the Jews. But where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to what? What's that word right there? We've come to worship him. Not get something from him, not not you know, not just have a meet and greet social, but we came to worship him. Guys, this is a two year long thing, you know, from the time they saw the star till when they arrived there. Okay, look down at verse ten, skip down a few verses and we'll take a look at this. Because this is how, how the story wraps up with them. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary. And they bowed down. And what'd they do? What's the word? What did they do? Worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love it whenever I hear about people uh, giving frankincense. Like, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys do like essential oils with frankincense. Like, yeah, that's kind of like what Jesus got. But, uh, but, but worship, this whole thing is a broad term. And uh, like right now, we are in what I like to call a worship gathering. Uh, because here what we do is we come together and we worship God Together, We do it with prayers and with singing and with reverence. But, but this is important. Worship always involves doing something. It involves activity. It involves action no matter how you slice it. So, so worship is not like some state of mind, like I am worshiping. Like, well, worship is not just a state of mind. It is always a relational response. Now, here's the truth. Some people know Jesus. 
So they say, yeah, I know Jesus because, you know, they know these facts. Jesus was born in a manger. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus, you know, this is the season of Christmas where our culture acknowledges the birth of Jesus. And, and Jesus' mother is Mary. He worked miracles. And Jesus preached a simple gospel. Or Jesus had 12 disciples. Or Jesus suffered through Roman crucifixion. And he died so our sins could be forgiven. Jesus was raised back to life from the grave on the third day. Or, you know, uh, facts like Jesus wore a white robe and a blue sash. I, you know, I don't know. So, but some people say they know these facts about Jesus because, but because they know facts, they think they know him. Like they think they know him, or they even they think they have facts like blue robe and a sash. I mean, white robe, blue sash. Like, yeah, I know Jesus. He's the guy, like beard and the hair. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people approach Jesus kind of like Facebook friends. Um, for some reason, on Facebook, we call all these people friends. We do. That's that's what they're called, Facebook friends. But the the truth is, is like, I mean, let's be real. Very few really are our friends. You know, you're, you're not like hanging out with them every day. Uh, and, and in fact, every once in a while, a Facebook friend of mine will challenge me to a game of bowling or something, you know? And I'm, I'm like, what? I don't, even, I don't even remember who you are. And I'm thinking, I haven't even seen you. I don't even, I can't even figure out who you are and where you came from. And, 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 and now you want to go bowling with me? You're not my friend. You don't know me. I mean, you might see stuff on, on my Facebook profile, at, on my wall, that, that where you might know about me. But, but yeah, the truth is, like, when that happens, when I'm like going, I don't know who this person is, I, honestly, I just like unfriend because it's like, that's kind of scary. I don't even think I even knew, knew them in the first place. Don't know how they got on here. Some, somebody added them themselves. And you know, it's kind of like maybe this friend from kindergarten that I never really knew. And they're just like my friend. They're like, oh, go away. You know, I don't want to bowl with you. But, but at the same time, the truth is, is, is Jesus, you, you know, it, it's the same with Jesus. A lot of people will go to church and say you're a Christian and read the Bible and do churchy things and, and maybe even play in the worship band and say, well, I know these things about Jesus and I do Christian activities activities and I serve, but that doesn't mean you have relationship with Jesus. Some know Jesus, but some have relationship with Jesus. And that's what I'm going to be aiming at over these uh, final Sundays of 2015. Um, I, I want you to have a relationship. I want you to go beyond knowledge to interaction. Now, maybe some of you, uh, you have that relationship with Jesus, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to challenge you over the next few weeks, and I'm going to show you some ways to go deeper in that relationship this month. Here's, here's my foundational challenge. is this, is to choose relationship with Jesus over knowledge about Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't want just data about Jesus. I want Jesus. I, I don't want just information about the Son of God. No, I want relationship with the Son of God. I don't want just more knowledge about my Redeemer. I want a relationship with my Redeemer. I don't want just more sermons about the Savior. I want a relationship with the Savior in the sermons. You see, what Jesus did is he took this first step, and, and he left the utter splendor of heaven, and he came into this world to, uh, actually in the form 
of his own creation, which is us, people, and he came in our form, and he was born into abject poverty, and he died and was executed as a criminal, the horrible way to enter, horrible way to leave this world, but God himself did that for you and for me because he loves us. He wants relationship with us, so he offered himself up to be that perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could be with him forever in eternity and have this relationship that continues. That was what God's plan was all along, so what Jesus did, this is important, he already took the first step in the relationship. The next step and subsequent steps belong to us. It's our responsibility. We have to make the choice to respond and continually respond if there's even going to be a relationship. Because authentic relationships, doesn't matter what kind they are, authentic relationships always demand a response from us. That's why we call the series, Creative Team says, we need to call this series the you know, relationship equals response. And I really like that because that's, that's really true. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, Cameron and Callie were married. I saw some of you guys at the funeral, not the funeral, the wedding. <laughs> wedding, nobody died. Uh, uh, do not tell them I said that. <laughs> But we were out of this awesome cow pasture in Rio Vista. Seriously, seriously. Uh, I was a little worried about Cameron because he was barefoot in the wedding. I was like, I don't you know, be careful where you step, man. I, I, I have shoes, you know. But, but I mean, they're like, it's like true Texans. I love it. I actually really, really love it. But for months, I talked to them through these various steps of preparing them for marriage. And, and I would always nudge them toward uh, these, this important part of relationship, which is responding to each other. And see, responding to each other is not just a one-time thing. It's not just like when the man asks the lady to marry him and she says yes, then he never responds to her again. No, no. I mean, the responses continue and they go back and forth and continue and continue. And I loved it as I looked at this couple and as they were standing there and saying their vows and they were reaching out to each other and they were holding each other's hands. Callie reached. Cameron reached. And they held hands. Was actually, I was looking at that thing, and this is a perfect visual of what it means when, authentic, when I say authentic relationships demand a response. <clears throat> and at that moment, the response they were giving was actually a response to each other of reaching. It's interesting because when the moment arrived for, for me to pray over them, I also, out of relationship, responded by reaching. I reached out, and it's instinctive. I, I, I just did it. I reached out and put hands on each one of them, and I laid hands on them and prayed over them. And, and I didn't just think a prayer. I didn't, I didn't just stand there saying, well, they know my heart, and so I'm just going to kind of think some things. No, no, no. What I did is I reached out, and with both hands, with my arms, I spoke a prayer of blessing over them. See, I responded to them because I have relationship with them. And see, it's the same with Jesus. And, and, and one of the things that I challenge you with today is just this thought right here. It's very simple, is that we respond to Jesus also by reaching that's why we physically lift our hands in this church. It's a very natural response to a relationship. We reach out to Jesus as we worship, and with, when we pray, it's with our hands lifted. You see, lifting our hands is an outward action based upon an inward relationship. 
when my boys were small, they would, they would reach out with both arms to daddy. That's, that's a cool moment. Some of you guys have little kids and they're starting to do that. And that is, that is so awesome. Parents, you know how that feels. And basically, they're, they're asking to be hailed. And sometimes even without words, you know, they would just reach out. I remember Preston, he, he had it messed up. He would say, instead of hold me, he would say, hold you, you know, because hold you, hold you. He just reaches hands out, hold you. Even before they could talk, my boys could reach. See, because reaching is built into every one of us. It's an outward action that's based upon a relationship. And I'm telling you guys, it's really quite awesome. An example of this teaching is found all throughout the Bible. Psalm 63 gives a great example of it. I want you to look at this. This is, this is good. He says, you, God, are my God. There's relationship there. You see that? Earnestly, so you see passion. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you while my whole being longs for you. He just wants more of God. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary. That means I, I've, I've seen you, God, he, 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 when, when I've gathered and worshiped with God's people and I've beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life itself, which is a huge statement, my lips, because of that, okay, listen, because your love, that's relationship, is better than life itself, I'm going to respond. There's a relationship here, so I'm going to respond. So therefore, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will reach out to you. I will, what does it say? Lift up my hands. Guys, this is a passionate expression of worship in this psalm. This is an ancient worship song that, that the people of Israel would, would sing together. And, and, and it made it clear to them, even as they were singing it, kind of like as we were singing songs earlier, that worship is not just a state of being. It's not just mm, a thought. <laughs> but worship involves a physical response to a relationship. That's exactly what the song says. So that's why I, I can't help but lift my hands in worship. Yeah. When I re and I, it's because I'm reaching out to my living God. Yeah, there are different ways people do it, and I don't care what way you do it. I mean, you can do, you, some people do that, you know, the, this is like the high five method to God, and other people do this is like, like the fist bump method to God. Yeah, yeah, God, you're awesome. Yeah, other people do it like, hey, you're the one, you're the one, God, you're, you're awesome. And other people do the field goal style, you know, on the crucifixion style. I don't care how you do it, it doesn't matter. But God responds to lifted hands, He really does. I can be down in the dumps and I can be upset about stuff and frustrated about life and mad about my leg that doesn't work right. But, but the truth is, when I make the choice to lift my hands in worship, something happens in me and chains fall off and frustration melts away. I don't even understand how it all happens, but it does. God responds to lifted hands. See, Paul even put it this way. I like what he said. He goes, I want men everywhere. That means everywhere, even in Fort Worth, Texas, to pray how? Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. See, there's something powerful about lifting our hands. We lift our hands to Jesus and things shift. It's a response to the relationship. I love you so much, Jesus, that I can't help but reach out to you. But the truth is sometimes we feel distant, we feel all alone, I feel like we're just out in the middle of nowhere. And, and sometimes when we feel that God is distant and you're in this dark valley and you feel like you're on your own, uh, the truth is, 
that's not really the case because God is still with you no matter what's going on. And when, when my son Devin, when, when he came along to other family, we, my family, we lived in a small little two-bedroom house. And Rebecca and I, we had a room. That was the master bedroom in the tiny house. And then Preston had a room, and, and that was right next to us. And all, then we had the living room and kitchen area, which is all kind of one. It was a really tiny little house. They called it a cottage, and believe me, it definitely was. It was our first house. But, but, but when Devin came along, we had to figure out a way to improvise. And so what we did is we bought this really cool, nice rolling bassinet. So so he could have a room of his choice. Or really, actually, it was our choice. He didn't get to choose anything. But it would sometimes be the living room. Sometimes it would be Preston's room. Sometimes it would be our room based upon what was happening in the house at any given time. And so there, there were moments when little baby Devin laying in the bassinet might have thought, I'm all alone in a strange room and everybody's abandoned me. But the truth is, that was never the case. See, his perspective in that little bassinet, looking at a different ceiling each time, was very limited. Because it didn't matter whether it was day or night, if Devin needed us, he would cry out. And he responded because of relationship, and what we would do is we would show ourselves to him. He was never, ever really alone. But, but, but what he did is he would let us know when he needed something. We revealed ourselves to him by drawing near to him. Now, I'm going to tell you, God works the exact same way. Jesus even had this little brother by the name of James. And James, uh, maybe there was that similar situation and they were a child. I'm sure their houses weren't all that huge and massive. And I don't know. But later on, James does write this in, 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 a, in a passage of scripture that he wrote later on. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In other words, reach out to God and he'll come close to you. See, one of the ways that I draw near to God is by lifting my hands. And I don't understand it all, but it does change the atmosphere in here. You see, I'm relating to him when I lift my hands. Hey, there's, this, there's some other lyrics of this in another ancient worship song that's found in Psalm 141. And it says this, it says, Lord, I am calling to you. You see that? That's the voice, using your voice. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as an incensed offering to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. You see, back in the Old Testament, the, the, the way people offered offerings at that time was to slay an animal and to burn it on this massive altar as an offering to God. It was like an incense to God. But, but here, in the, even though this is in the Old Testament, they're saying, really, you don't have to do that because your prayers, which works for us today, your prayers are like an incense to Jesus. And when we lift our hands, it's like we're, we're actually offering ourselves to God. Guys, that, that's really, really amazing. God responds to lifted hands. It's a physical action. There has to be response for the relationship, and this is one of those responses. If I were to say to you, and you know that I was like, well, I've decided to quit preaching sermons, friend. Hey, buddy, I, I'm not going to be sharing sermons anymore, and I'm not going to be saying thank you to any of you who are serving anymore. I'm not going to show any appreciation to you anyway, because the truth is you know my heart anyway. You know my heart. I mean, what, what I would, if I were to say that to you, you know what I would expect of you? I would expect you to take your hand and slap me upside the face, nice and firm, and say, no, 
Pastor Tim, I don't know your heart. I'm not a cardiologist, all right? (laughs) Show me how you feel. There's this amazing story that's in the Bible um, of God's people. It's incredible. It's, it's as, they, as they were coming out of Egypt into the promised land, and, and they, were, uh, they were cornered in by these, these people called the Amalekites, and they were, they were really bad. They wanted to kill and slaughter God's people. Well, well Moses, who is the leader of God's people, taking them into the desert through where the Amalekites were, there, were, there was a, this war, this big battle going on. And so, so Moses, as you're going to see in this, what he did is he reached out to God during this time by lifting his hands and it literally changed the situation in the war. Take take a look at it. In Exodus 17 it says this. It says, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands. Look at that. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. I I need someone to join me on the platform for some worship here. Hey, did you guys get that? People's lives were literally hanging in the balance based upon whether or not the leader was lifting his hands and reaching out to God. Guys, that's huge. That's the same God that we serve today. This is a massive message for those of you who are leaders in any capacity, head of your home or leader of an organization or, or a business. It doesn't matter what, a group of people in the church. You know, when we worship, when we reach out to God, I mean, it actually impacts atmospheres. Guys, sometimes I don't feel like I'm a winner. I don't feel like things are going well sometimes. But friend, when I don't feel good or when things are not going so well, that might just actually be the best time to start lifting up my hands and to the Lord because God responds to lifted hands. Guys, this is one of the most vivid examples of how powerful it can be when we simply lift our hands to Jesus. Now, the story goes on. I love it. It says, when Moses' hands grew tired, they they took a stone. They were recognizing, oh, something's going on here. When Moses is lifting his hands in worship to God, the victory happens. When it falls, we start losing and losing lives. And so they put the stone under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, so that his hands remained steady till the sunset. So Joshua, who was down there leading the fight, he overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. But it was God who brought the victory. Joshua doesn't get the praise for it. God does. See, what caused the battle to be won? Lifted hands. For some of you, there are battles that you're facing right now, and and, and my encouragement for you who are facing these battles is to choose to overcome any kind of awkwardness that might keep you from lifting your hands to God and just to simply do it. God responds to lifted hands. And I say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I won't lift my hands to God. I just, I, I, I just want to make sure I feel like blessing God before I'm going to do that because it wouldn't be honest. And so I just want to just, you know, do that. Well, do you do that at work? <laughs> You're like, well, I'm not going to show up today because I don't feel like it. it wouldn't be honest for me to come to work. No, you do it. And I mean, and it's just a stinking job. This is worshiping the God of the universe. It's a big difference. 
See, the biblical response to that is, is this, is that in your name, Lord, like the scripture says, in your name, I will lift up my hands. Like the scripture says, accept my upraised hands as just an offering of me. And, and you guys, you, you can lift your hands without feeling like it. It's just simple motor movement. I, you know, I, 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 I have this new understanding of motor movement, motor movement with this leg that doesn't work right. And, 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 and you know, the thing is, you, you may not be able to command your heart, but you can, unless you're having a mobilized arm, you can command your arms and quite often your heart is going to get the message. <laughs> You respond accordingly, and then you'll actually feel like it. It's, you know, those of you who understand this, we're we're psychosomatic beings, body and soul. We're actually interrelated, and and if you go through motions of blessing God with your body, then your emotions, which is your soul, will pick up the cue and simply go along. Because sometimes the motions precede the emotions. Our society has it backwards. I have to feel it before I respond. That's why so many marriages fail. That's why so many relationships fall apart because they don't feel it anymore, so I'm not going to respond. I'm telling you guys, we need to reverse that. We take the action and then the response happens inside because that's actually the ancient wisdom that the world has lived by a long, long, long time. I want, it. I, I want that for my life. You know, act your gratitude. I mean, pantomime your thanks, and you will become what you do. I mean, many, many people think of it this way. Well, well, the only way to change my behavior is to change my feelings, but, but I want you to go back to this ancient wisdom of changing your actions and your behavior, and then you can change your feelings. One person says, well, I don't feel like worshiping, so I'm not going to church. I know it wasn't any of you today because you're here, but I don't feel like worshiping, so I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to wait and go to church when I feel like it, and then I'm going to go. Well, as a pastor, I know this because I've seen it over and over and over. Those are the people that continually have struggles with defeat over and over and over. Yet another person like you says, I don't feel like worshiping. I mean, how many of you woke up today and said, I just feel like worshiping? I mean, I know I did, but I don't always feel that way. Therefore, I just feel like worshiping. So, so you know, so you, you may have just w- woken up this morning and said, I don't feel like worshiping. So I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to put myself in the way of the worship. And in this process, you're going to find yourself blessed. And in, in turn, you're actually going to begin blessing others. That's exactly that, that psalm that we read at the beginning of each of our messages every Sunday. Because your feelings might be flat, but you can control your muscles. Lift your hands. You know, as Christians, uh, feelings don't run the show. There's a reality that's deeper than our feelings, and I encourage you to live by that reality. Here's my challenge today. Lift your hands. Choose relationship with Jesus over knowledge about Jesus. We you close your eyes for just a moment? I want you to focus internally. If you want to know this Jesus that we talk about and you want a clean slate, you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And that's going to simply be with a lifted hand. This is one of the ways that we lift our hands. If you want to be included in this closing prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm very simply going to ask you to lift your hand. If you need to make things right with Jesus, I'm going to simply ask you to lift your hand. Faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. Everything can happen today. Would you lift your hand for me and say, I need to make things right with Jesus. Lift your hand for me. Thank you. 
thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several of you lifted your hands, and I'm going to ask you, along with everyone else in this room, to please stand. I want everybody to stand. I want the, you, along you know, with the entire congregation of believers at this point, to, to pray these words with me. Will you please do this? Say this with these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to worship you and draw near to you, knowing that you will draw near to me. In Jesus' name, amen.